Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. This is the second one about suffering and how we endure it, how we see it, especially through the lens of my brother-in-law, Paul, and some of the things he shared. Well, last week, you got to hear the whole nine minutes of part of our conversation. But today, I want to play about six minutes of that again, because there were so many amazing nuggets in it that it can't hurt at all for you to hear it again. In fact, I hope that you would actually listen a number of times, because as I had to listen to it over and over again, thinking about what parts we'd use, I got more and more out of it. It kept causing me to think more and more about, Lord, yeah, how do I do that? And how would I apply that? So anyway, I hope you would actually listen to these segments of him, and whether you want to continue to listen to me or not, that's okay. But especially just listening to his heart, his words, his wisdom, his experience, and see how it impacts you and causes you to think, okay, what do I think about that? How would I apply it? Well, anyway, as Peter and I were listening to it and thinking about it, it did raise the question, well, should we pray for healing? Because Paul seems to be very content with not being healed. And I want to address both that question and then the idea of, well, what about those of us who chronically suffer and though we pray and get prayer, lots of times that we are still living through our difficult situation. Well, first of all, I want to say is that I think it comes through in Paul's sharing that he's been prayed for, oh my gosh, thousands of times. I know I've been prayed for at least hundreds of times over the last four years. I will never, ever refuse prayer, and I'm not so sure Paul necessarily would either. Unless we hear what the Apostle Paul heard in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where the Lord said, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness, that there is this sense that Paul's prayed and the Lord's saying, it's not going away. I guess unless we hear something that specific from Jesus to our own hearts, I don't think it's ever inappropriate not to still ask or to let others pray for us. In fact, remember, even Jesus in the garden was asking for a plan B. Lord, if we can take away this cup and still accomplish what needs to be done, I would love that. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And of course, Judas shows up and we know that God said, no, it's plan A. Well, likewise, I think even in Romans 8, 26 through 28, where Paul says, we don't even know how we ought to pray because we don't know if we should be praying for deliverance or praying for endurance. And the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. So, I don't want you to get the impression, I don't think Paul would want you to get the impression that we don't pray, we don't let people pray for us. I think the most critical thing is that for Paul, it's not about whether he's healed or not. Of course, he would be glad to be healed, I think, on some level. And yet, on the other hand, he said, I don't know if I would be glad because I love the opportunities that being in the wheelchair gives to me in terms of sharing my faith and bringing glory to God. Well, anyway, I want you to listen to this part of it again, where he's wrestling with this thing. And then I want to follow up, though, with a couple other things from the Apostle Paul about the fact that he knew that he was going to be a chronic sufferer in a variety of ways and some of the things he reminds us of that helped him endure and continue through it all. So again, enjoy Paul, my brother-in-law, and this segment that you heard last week. Enjoy it again. What I was wrestling with was the idea that I don't want to walk. Is it even okay to be thinking the thoughts that I don't want to walk? And he showed me it's because if I were to just all of a sudden walk, start walking and then I minister to somebody 
they can always come back to, well, of course you love Jesus because of what he's done for you. He's healed you. You're not walking. Of course you love him. But when I do it now, I, I have more chance of it being real for them because it's not about what I got out of it. It was truly out of my relationship with him in that through all these things, or I can do any of this stuff through him who strengthens me. That is not about me getting the blessing now. Mm -hmm. It's about me being able to persevere through any circumstance. And without even a hope of a positive outcome on this side of death. And so that was my real wrestle was, is it okay that I'm even thinking like this? Is, it just doesn't even seem rational. And then he said, Paul, remember that verse that you prayed? Because I'm working that into you to where you're willing to forego any chance of healing so that others would know Christ. Others would have a better chance of knowing Christ. That you can reach more people from the chair than you can with your healing. And you're willing to do that. That's laying your life down. He was building that into me. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, it's like, this is such a privilege to serve him yeah. with this and, and that I'm okay with it being later. I mean, I've got my heroes. Think, oh, if I could just be like him, if I can just be like him. There came a time in which I was thinking about those few people and I thought, I don't want to be like them. I want to be like me. Mm. Because I'm so excited about what God is doing in me that I don't want to be anybody else because I'm going to miss out on what God is doing in me. Interestingly enough, where it's like I came out of my shell because of my disability. When with so many people, maybe that would put them into a shell. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I came out in who I am and who I am is really on not what I can do, but who God has made me to be and how he's using me in that there is no circumstance that is going to bring me down to some extent. It's okay, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, exactly. what's challenging, though, is when Satan comes after my family. That's when I get mad. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. when I get angry. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Just out of the simple idea that I really think if I hadn't had my accident, I would have missed out on all of this. Right. There are some things that you only get through suffering. And there is a reason why, I mean, my favorite verses are Philippians 9, 10, and 11, where I want to know Christ, I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to fellowship in the sharing of his suffering. Fellowship in the sharing of his suffering. That means I get to know him in the midst of the suffering. And I mean, we can, even Robin, Robin, there's nobody on this planet that knows me better than Robin, but somebody else can wheel in a wheelchair here and I will have a connection with them without ever knowing them that Robin and I won't have because we have that common suffering. There's an intimacy that we get when we suffer as a believer. So therefore, when that keeps going in Philippians and it goes on to say, um, becoming like him in his death, to somehow, in some way, attain to the resurrection, and that that's our hope. The hope isn't the healing now. The right. hope is the resurrection. That's where our hope is. And so often I get sometimes frustrated speaking with some people and that they want that blessing now they want that mm -hmm. healing now they want things the circumstances to be fixed now and don't you see that when you're praying away the storm you're also praying away the blessing <laughs> yeah do you really want to do that mm. 
the eternal blessing, that's the blessing that we want. That's the eternal hope. I don't know if I would have been there either if I hadn't experienced what I'm experiencing. And it's just opportunities like this that or any opportunity, you just said natural, normal conversation. It, it's, it's really amazing how many of these normal little conversations that I get to have. Because somebody will ask me out of the blue, so what happened? Or I'll get out of the car at Walmart and somebody will come up and be like, oh, you know what, that's really impressive what you just did. Like, yeah, let me tell you why I can do this. I may only have 30 seconds, but that 30 seconds may be the seed to their eternity. I love life. Life <laughs> is fun. It really is. When you have the mindset that, yeah, it's gonna be hard. There are times it's going to be hard, but that's what we should expect. Satan, he goes after the people that are a threat. If he's not coming after you, that would make me think, what's going on if everything's just normal? Life is going to be hard, but if we really wrap our heads around the fact that I'm a sheep to be slaughtered, so therefore, God, you can do whatever you want with me as long as it brings you glory. And I will always praise your name. I will always be thankful because I feel like I am the most blessed person on earth. It says in was it Hebrews 12 that Jesus was able to endure the cross because he had his eyes set on the joy that was before him. So that him being the perfecter of our faith, that's what we need to set our eyes on. On him, he is our joy. And if we do that, we can endure. Wow. Listening to it again, it still blows me away. There are so many comments that he makes that you could hit the pause button and just go, wow, what do I think about that? And how would I apply that to my own life? Well, of course, listening to it again, you hear Paul talk about the fact that he actually isn't even sure he would want to be healed. And you have heard his reasons why. And especially the fact because there's a part of in that suffering, he experiences Jesus in a way that otherwise he never would. And I have experienced that to be true for myself. I have been around people who have suffered all their lives, and it is absolutely true that there is an experience of intimacy with Jesus that that simply comes because of suffering. It comes because you are driven into him in his nearness and his presence and his strength in a way that when we're not going through that stuff, we often won't experience because we simply aren't put in that position to have to lean into him the same way. Well, you hear that in some ways through my brother-in-law, Paul, that he really has owned 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10, where Paul hears the Lord say that my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in your weakness, where Paul says, Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses, because then Christ's power, his presence rests on me. In fact, for his sake, for his sake, I delight, and this is always such a mind-blowing statement, but you hear it in my brother Paul's language, I delight in my weakness, hardship, insult, persecution, and difficulties, because when I'm weak then I'm strong. I mean, my brother-in-law, Paul, seems to really have owned this and lives it. But it made me think as well when Paul said, you know, the hope is the future. The hope is the resurrection when all things will be made new. And it made me think about Philippians chapter 1 where Paul says, look, I know I'm in chains. I know I'm going through this difficulty. But he says, listen, for me, it's I don't care whether I live or die. All I care about is that Jesus would be exalted in my body. 
And then he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Where you sense that in Paul, you know, to live is Jesus. To live in this present situation and his experience, it's opportunity to know Jesus, to experience Jesus. And then Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, this is tricky, isn't it? Paul and Paul. The Apostle Paul, he says, you know, I'm also happy to stay because it means fruitful labor for me. It means that I get to help you in your progress in your faith. And so he's content. He's happy to live presently with Jesus on earth, being a part of what Jesus is doing. And yet, of course, he says, boy, to die would be great gain to be with him and, of course, to be made like him in his body and to spend forever with him. It's just an amazing thing, but you sense that from my brother-in-law, Paul, like, yeah, yeah, to die, it'll be gain. It'll be great. I'll get to sing and dance and run around and play for eternity. It's going to be awesome. But I'm okay with doing what Jesus is doing through my life presently for the sake of others. I mean, he didn't even refer to this passage. This is Philippians 1, I'm not sure, 19 to 23 or 4, somewhere in there. But my brother-in-law is living it. Well, another passage is in the same letter where the Apostle Paul speaks in Philippians chapter 4 about the secret of being content in all circumstances. Again, he says, whether being in plenty or in want, being well-fed or hungry, right? And some of us, even right now, may be hungry, we may be in want of some kind. And at the same time, it's also such a strange passage because... (laughs) On the one hand, he's trying to tell his friends who have sent him supplies that he's really grateful that they have done so. But by the same token, he's trying to say, but I don't love you just because you take care of me. You know, whether I receive this from you or not, that doesn't change who you are to me and how much I love you. And also, he really wants them to understand that I'm so grateful that you've supplied and yet at the same time, even without them. I am still content. I am still okay because, he says, it's in any of these situations. And again, it's a lot of people have memorized Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through him who strengthens me and gets sometimes lifted out of that context where what Paul is ultimately saying, no, it's in all these kinds of things, whether plenty or want, whether well-fed or hungry, it's in any circumstance. It's in all these circumstances I can do, I can be in them, I can be content in them through Christ, through Jesus, by His Spirit, who is with me, strengthening me. But here's the thing, again, what I want you to capture, and and you kind of get this from my brother-in-law, Paul, that he's content in his circumstance. And in the Apostle Paul's case, when he's trying to say thank you, what's really cool is that he reminds the people, hey, he says, I'm grateful, but at the same time, what I really want you to hear This is verses like 17 and 18, I think, where he says, but God was blessed. God was pleased because this was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to him. And he says, it's going to get credited to your account, whatever that exactly means. And then he promises them that God will supply, meet all your needs through his riches and glory. He's grateful, but he wants them to really understand the one you've really pleased, the one you've really blessed, and who's going to bless you back is the Lord, is God. Well, the more that I've meditated on this, I just, I want to finish this with this awareness that the thing about what the Apostle Paul, I think, is saying, especially when he says that Jesus is there to strengthen him and that God supplies all our needs, is that I think why Paul is content is because the primary thing that God is utterly faithful every moment of every day to supply 
is first of all to supply the perspective, like my brother-in-law, the perspective that, Lord, you are sovereign and that your hand is in all this and that you're working it for good and that I can trust that there is purpose in it, gospel, glory, growth, that Jesus gives us by the Spirit the strength of mind, the strength of mind to find perspective and then to live in and out of that perspective, that he also gives us strength of heart, that he says, I will strengthen you, I will empower you, I will encourage you. Where um, in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, he says, I, Jesus Christ, myself and God, your Father, will encourage your hearts and strengthen you for every good deed and word. And I think also that he strengthens our bodies, that he gives us the physical endurance, the physical capacity to endure what we're going through, whether we're hungry or whether we're suffering, that this he promises. And every now and then, he also supplies our external needs like food and clothing and paying bills or whatever, that that too happens. But Paul says it's the other three things. It's that he strengthens my mind. He strengthens my emotion. He strengthens my body. That's the thing I know that I can count on every moment of every day. And it's because of that I have the power to endure. I have the power to be content so that whatever's going on around me, it doesn't affect me in a way that, that takes away my joy, takes away my focus, brings my emotions down totally. Of course, you know, things happen and you have a moment where you're discouraged or whatever, but again, Jesus comes and strengthens your heart. You hear that in my brother-in-law's testimony, that there is an overall abiding where he has learned to experience the strength that Jesus provides, the mental strength, the emotional strength, the physical strength to endure all of it. So I want to encourage you today to hear Jesus tell you, let's listen to him. I, Jesus Christ, I will help you in all these things by giving you strength, that I and the Father will encourage your heart and strengthen you for every good deed and word. We are with you. We love you. And we will be faithful to supply the mental strength, physical strength, emotional strength you need to endure. We love you. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I just pray the Lord's blessing on all of you today. Again, I encourage you just to re-listen to these things and think about both what Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, and what Paul, my brother-in-law, said. God bless and have a great day.